0: John Bloom here, and you're listening to the Sun Solar Panel, which is much more informative and entertaining than listening to my solar panels, but not nearly as environmentally friendly.
1: And welcome to the Phoenix Sun Solar Panel podcast. Today, there is no Greg Esposito. I know that you aren't disappointed. And that is because we have Mr. Dave King, managing editor, Bright Side of the Sun. What's up, buddy?
0: Because I am all that matters. Me and you, Tim. Me and you are all that matters.
1: (laughs) How's it going, everybody? If you are watching this live on YouTube, you can tell the lighting's a little bit different. Also, Dave, I got got to admit, you kind of look like you just got off of work.
0: I did. (laughs) What made you say that? The colored shirt? (laughs) You're lucky I'm not wearing a tie. It's Friday.
1: Yeah, it's a much different look. So um, I I don't know if you have been on Suns Twitter at all over the last couple of days, but there have all of a sudden been an influx of everyone waving their dick around saying, I told you we should have drafted Luka Doncic.
0: Yeah, we all know this. We all know, especially in hindsight, many of us in foresight, but a lot of us in hindsight, I get it, um, realize he's the better player. My argument, Tim, is that it doesn't freaking matter anymore because he's not a Suns player. <laughs> I mean, if I was always going to worry about, see, and one guy was saying on. Twitter today that it's weird that you guys don't want to mention him. I mean, Greg, Greg does. It as a joke the he, who must not be named thing. That's a complete joke. The truth is I don't care about players from other teams. If I was worried about players on other teams, then I'd be looking up all the draft picks that the sun's passed on and commenting about them constantly and, and just living on the, on every point they score every rebound they make. And to me, that's just a waste of energy. I don't understand why you waste your energy on some other? Te- uh, oh, that you probably think about your ex-girlfriends or your ex-boyfriends. You probably wonder what happened if you'd have studied harder on that test you didn't do well in last year. You you probably wonder if you'd have kept you if if somebody wouldn't have done you wrong that you'd have had a better uh, career. I don't know, but you if you live in the past, you can't ever enjoy the present. And if you can't enjoy the present, then you're never going to have your best future. Doesn't that sound, that's pretty good, isn't it? I I like that. I just made that up as I was talking. If you live in the past, you'll never enjoy your present. And if you don't enjoy your present, you can't have your best future. Just live in the present. Enjoy this Suns team the way it is. Worry about the guys on the roster. Should Sheck Diallo suddenly be starting, going from 15th man to starter? I'd rather talk about that than talk about whether some other dude should be on the Suns, because he's not. Well, if he becomes a Phoenix Sun. I would root the hell out of him, but uh, he's not. And so I'm not going to worry about him. Luka Doncic, I'm not afraid of saying his name. I don't miss him as a potential draft pick of the Phoenix Suns, but I do respect him as a basketball player. He's a great basketball player. He'll probably be top 10. He'll almost certainly be better than DeAndre Ayton in his career. But you know what? That was a hell of a draft. And Luka Doncic would be better than almost any number one draft pick. Now that what we know now, um, than in the in the past several years. And so good on Luca, good on the Mavs, good on the team that got that guy. But I'm here for DeAndre Aiden. I'm here for the Phoenix Suns. I I'll still call even DeAndre Aiden. I'll call him the masked urinator. I do it all the time. I'm not I'm not all over Aiden's ass. I am I am a fan of the team. And when Aiden plays well and he's available, I'm gonna support him. And when he's not available, and he's not playing well. I'm not going to support him. That's the way it is. But I'm only going to worry about the teams, the guys on my team. What about you, Tim? What do you think?
1: <laughs> it it kind of it it reminds me. And I was thinking about it. So the year that you had LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, uh, Chris Bosh drafted. If the team the team that was picking number one would have picked uh, Chris Bosh. I don't think that uh, you know, you'd be disappointed having Chris Bosch. Had you always wished you would have drafted LeBron James, of course. Uh, at this point it kind of is what it is, but the the reaction that we're getting of people screaming that we talk about Luka Doncic, I mean, I think anybody listening to this podcast or watching on YouTube knows that I wanted the Suns to draft Luka Doncic, but guess what? They didn't. So at, at this point, I just don't really understand what the value is of having a weekly segment on Luka Doncic he's not on the team what do you want us to say the Suns should have drafted him they didn't he's on another team now
0: exactly and that's okay and he can go enjoy himself on that other team go have fun on that other team play real well lose to the Suns that's all that freaking matters in your entire career pal (laughs)
1: Uh, I do want to take a minute to thank a listener for supporting the show. And if you are watching on YouTube or listening on the podcast version and you feel like you get some value out of the sun solar panel, you can make a $1, a $5, or a $10 monthly donation. All you got to do, open up the show notes, hit the support the show button. Um, We really appreciate it. If you do the $10 option, I will personally send you some sun swag. And this week, we want to thank Jeff Allen for supporting the sun solar panel podcast.
0: All right, Jeff. We appreciate you. We appreciate everybody who supports the podcast. Uh, man, we got to keep glasses on Tim's face. We got to keep shirts on Dave's back. I mean, we need this. We need this bad. Uh, but seriously, we uh, we do appreciate all the support. We love the fact that people follow our podcast and really support the Phoenix Suns. I know I complain about people on Twitter. I complain about um, the the attitudes that I get sometimes. The attitudes that I give sometimes are not very good. I totally get that on a bright side, bright side of the sun, the comments section and all that. I, I do complain sometimes about the level of rhetoric there too. But you know what? I appreciate everybody. I really appreciate the fact that we're all just Suns fans. We want to support a team. We want to support this team and we want this team to do well. And I get it the people who are who are pining over Luca, pining over Jaron Jackson Jr., pining over Trey pining over jason Wait, Tatum. Are, are people
1: really pining over Jared jackson jr is there, they uh,
0: were for is a long like... time man he was the darling this year it's brandon clark i mean people just pine that's what they do that's some people's personality is just to pine for what they don't have rather than just appreciate what they do they call it intellectual you know uh, being smarter they call it being realistic they call it i don't know what all words apply um and that's All More power to you. All it means is you guys are Suns fans. You guys really want to support the team and you want the team to do well. How you how you show that support is totally up to you as an individual. I do. I do recognize that. Um, I do want to say that uh, I got a little bit of the back and forth going with uh, and I usually do uh, the guys with the seven seconds or less pod. Uh, but I really like those guys. I really like David Nash. I really like um, Max as well. I think those guys are, are, are really good at what they do and they're really great Suns fans. I support everybody. I just sometimes have a disagreement of opinion and I think it's totally OK to have that. Uh, Some days we are better with our responses than others. And I just want you guys to know that I do respect you Uh, and I'm welcome. I'm happy to come on your pod anytime to discuss the merits of whether we should have drafted Luka Doncic or Deandre Ayton, and whether today we should still
1: be talking about it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So, watching on YouTube right now, you should subscribe to the podcast. There's an audio version of this. If you are listening to the podcast, we also have the visual representation on YouTube. Just search "Sun Solar Panel." If you want to see how good Dave looks uh, in person, you can. I do, do look
0: that good. On- I have a collared shirt and everything. You know, you guys wouldn't even know it probably from this podcast, but um, I actually have a day job where I dress up. I wear a tie nearly every day. I've I don't wear shoes, a baseball man. cap. I this. You, yeah, exactly. You got,
1: your, your shoes are money.
0: <laughs> I I got it going on. I know what I'm. I know what I'm doing. On Saturday mornings, I'm usually not um, in you know in dress up mode. That's for sure. And Wednesday evenings, usually we do this about seven o'clock my time, and by that time I've completely dressed into regular clothes. Um, so I am I am weekend person separate from work person. But right now you're catching work person because <laughs> guess what I'm doing tonight, Tim.
1: Uh, you are going on a a date. Actually,
0: I am. I'm going on a date with a beautiful woman. No, Um,
2: I'm actually going to go see uh, a
0: performance. No, but it is a, it is a, it is a live performance at the Scottsdale Center for Performing Arts. I'm taking a very wonderful woman who raised me and has seen me since I was in diapers. I'm actually taking my mom and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, my girl's out of town, so uh, my mom is stepping in as the pinch hitter. I really appreciate that.
1: That's, uh, I would have phrased that slightly differently. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> I, hey, okay. we're a close family. Don't judge, man. <laughs> if, If you want to get your voice on the podcast and you're listening on the podcast version, open up the show notes. There's a little button to leave a voicemail. You might have heard one a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Super easy. Send us a voicemail. If it's good, we'll put it at the very beginning of the show. On today's show, we do have a very special guest, though. That is Sam Amick of The Athletic. Uh, You've seen him for years writing about a number of different teams. We're extremely excited to have him on. Uh, He did a one-on-one interview with uh, head coach Monty Williams, and we're going to get Sam Amick from The Athletic on. Here in just a moment.
2: Hello, party people.
0: Yes, um, I'll introduce you. This is Tim Tompkins. Um, Tim, nice right to, to meet you. you. on the little Brady pleasure Bunch to thing. have you
1: on, Sam. Yeah. Uh, Appreciate so, it. read your article that you had on the athletic. Your one-on-one with Monty Williams earlier. A really, really great piece. Um, Thank you, man. Inspirational, sad, uh, a lot to it. Can you kind of tell us about your experience writing that and and what it? What it felt like for you to go that deep with him on some of those personal attributes.
2: I can indeed, although uh, let me fix my video. That light behind me is making me look like an angel that I. I you not. are
0: looking so, like Jesus right yeah, there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Hey, uh, uh, Sam's room is blue, just like mine. I feel like we are kindred spirits.
2: <laughs> and pardon the casual swag today. I figured it, if nothing else, I would rock the athletic uh, apparel. And, no, uh, that's you totally
0: cool, man. You're looking cool. good.
2: Yeah. Appreciate usually
0: it. I, I usually look totally casual. I just happen to come straight to work right now.
2: Well, um, I mean, it's, it's Friday, you know, my wife's a teacher and so she and the kids are on Thanksgiving break starting today. It's, it's a, it's oh, a nice. uh, holiday state of mind, even though we're certainly going to continue to do our thing on the NBA beat. Um, Tim, to your question, I certainly, I'm in a very, very deep story and, one that for me, like a lot of people in the NBA, fans, media, regular folks, if you go back to November of 2016, when Monty's wife was tragically killed in that car, and you know, you heard about the accident, and you know, one quick anecdote that I did not share in the story that certainly always stuck with me was that when the accident happened, uh, All Star Weekend was in Toronto that particular year. And I actually was supposed to do uh, some sort of a one-on-one in person with Kevin Durant uh, coming out of All-Star break. I was going to fly from Toronto to Oklahoma City and connect with Kevin. And, and at that time, Rich Kleiman, who was still his business manager, and I had been talking about this story. So the day, essentially the the day that uh, Monty's uh, late wife Ingrid passed I get a phone call from Rich and this is before the news had broken and and he says hey I uh, just need to give you a quick shout um, this thing with Kevin's not going to work out and he told me what happened and obviously kind of your heart drops and, and you just feel awful and then from there it becomes public and, and then you know the service that uh, they held for Ingrid nine days after her death in Oklahoma City at the church you got 900 people Uh, In attendance, roughly, and then certainly, you know, probably millions more watching. I mean, this was featured on Sports Center; it made the rounds all over the globe. Where, you know, Monty gives an extremely heartfelt, selfless, graceful seven-minute eulogy—not only just about their loss, but uh, really, for me anyway, kind of a a universal blueprint on how to handle struggle in life. So that always stuck with me. And I mean, even though I've known him, uh, you know, relatively well for years. Uh, I think I first met him when he was an assistant coach with the Blazers. Um, last couple of years, hadn't actually connected with him very often and just wondered how he was doing. Like, I think a lot of people. So if you fast forward then to this past summer, when uh, team USA was playing, I don't know if you guys remember, there was an exhibition game in Anaheim. I think they had Australia that night. Um, Actually, no, it was not Australia, a different opponent, but I run into Monty at the Honda Center in Anaheim with his agent, uh, Spencer Breaker oh, for a quick second. And even though that was only two or three minutes of catching up, we actually just talked hoops. We talked about the national team, things like that. Uh, that that one thought was still kind of like front and center on my mind that, all right, he looks like he's doing pretty well, but you you still kept wondering so um, as this season went on, essentially, this just kind of became a story that if he was willing to to kind of engage that I wanted to write. So I flew out to Phoenix and talked to him first uh you know we talked hoops, we talked life, the stuff that was in the piece, and then from there, just tried to talk to other people around him to to get perspective, but certainly uh a deep piece and uh, you know, I appreciated his help.
0: Hey, let's take a quick step back. Um, Sam, we really appreciate you writing that story because Monty has not um, really gone that in-depth about what happened to him uh, four years ago. And so we appreciate you sharing that. But take a quick step back, Sam, tell us um, your background and how long you've been associated with the NBA and uh, that you're working for The Athletic right now and things like that. So tell for the listeners, who is Sam Amick?
2: So if you go back to, uh, to I guess, 2004, um, and certainly starting to date myself here, but that would be the, the first year covering the NBA uh, at the time for the Sacramento Bee in a backup capacity uh, covering the Kings. There was a, an old head who remains a good friend, a guy named Marty McNeil, was the beat writer, kind of cutting your teeth with you know vets like Marty learning how this whole thing works. Eventually, kind of get the opportunity to take the main beat writing job on the Kings, cover the Kings from 2005 to 2010 for the Sacramento Bee. Uh, the quick lineup from there jumped to AOL FanHouse at uh, in 2010, which it was short lived, but it was a great opportunity as far as getting to cover the entire NBA and and you know getting outside of that Sacramento bubble uh, when FanHouse kind of folded. You know, kind of you get into moving and shaking mode and figure out what's next and connected with Sports Illustrated after that and had a great time there. It was at SI and mainly SI.com for two years um, and then go over to USA Today for six years and essentially West Coast based national writer with uh, with friend and, and colleague uh, Jeff Zilgit, one of my favorite people on the planet. So Jeff and I do that together for six years. And then jump over to the Athletic uh, in September of, you know, two two Septembers ago, and it's been great. I mean, you guys know that, you know, they've certainly grown and and they've kind of created this writer's workshop in this place where I always give people the analogy that it's like an NBA parlance. You know, we have a bunch of players, coaches as editors, and it is uh, a place that in a lot of uh, senses is a writer's dream and just trying to pump out good work.
0: Yeah, so let's, uh, let's digress just a little bit before we go back to the Monty column uh, a bit. So tell us what's yeah, so the Athletic is interesting because when the Athletic first came out, a lot of I mean, a lot of the print media and the traditional media, old, old school journalism seemed like it was about to die. Uh, newspapers sure. were, were um, I mean, we're down to one newspaper in the Phoenix area and there used to be three or four. Uh, right. And that newspaper is barely hanging on, as, as as I'm sure you're aware. And then the Athletic comes out and just says, you know what, we're going to hire these guys. We're going to hire these excellent journalists, these excellent beat writers, and we're going to put them out there and and give them the job they deserve. And I, I guess I'm I'm really happy. I'm definitely not guess, but I'm really happy that it's still going so strong. Um, are you guys getting any sense that they, uh, that this is a short-term thing or do you think this is for the long haul?
2: No, it's going extremely well. I mean, the stuff that is that is all part of the, the public sphere and, it, you know, I mean, listen, I'm here to stay in my lane and do my job, but the stuff that's public knowledge uh, is that they celebrated... Uh, I'm trying to remember the numbers that were public most recently, um, the milestone of 500,000 plus subscribers, and the growth has been fast, not only from a staffing standpoint, from a readership standpoint, and and it's only getting larger from here. I think that we had our CEOs, uh, Adam Hansman and Alex Mather had essentially announced that they're you know kind of uh, targeting a million readers by the end of the calendar year, approximately. So that's a really good base. If you look at the industry and you start comparing mm-hmm. it to, right. you know, the Wall Street Journal's and the Washington Post and, and not losing sight of the fact and certainly New, uh, the New York Times that we are a sports-only entity. You know, that's the the main distinction between us and some of these other properties. You know, the closest comp that often gets brought up would be ESPN Plus, but I mean, at that point you're talking about the video component and it's mm-hmm. a very different model. Uh, but certainly that's a subscriber model uh, model as well. It is uh, by all appearances an extremely long runway, where um, you know the, the growth. I mean, it's funny. I guess a quick side story: my family and I went on a vacation in England over the summer, and while we were there, I've got a sister who moved over there recently, and we're doing our thing. And lo and behold, uh, the Athletic was was launching uh, the Athletic United Kingdom while we were there, so that, that you oh, know wow. we're officially gone global. Yeah, so. That, they've captured a lot of the soccer market in that part of the world. um, And and continuing to kind of figure out where the next possible, you know, the kind of the avenues are for those types of things where just fans who are not getting satiated, to be honest, what you guys do in your market with bright side of the sun is the type of thing where you, you try to capture the most intense, the most loyal of the fans and give them what they want because everything you hit on Dave within the industry is true that, the economic pressures that have been on everybody for 20, 25 years now, unfortunately, had this ripple effect of creating the kind of content that that was, you know, kind of lowest common denominator in some instances. Um, that's, I think, the danger of, of, you know, the direction it was heading. So, um, yeah, no, it's going great.
0: I really yeah, I I really am glad that it's going so well because some of my better friends in the in the industry are now working for the athletics. So I, I'm glad it's working out well. Yeah, um me and too. I signed up immediately as soon as I knew who was who was in you know, as writers, I signed up immediately and I've been a happy subscriber since. So this isn't totally appreciate a sales that. pitch for The Athletic, but I think you guys do an excellent job. If if you guys uh, get any readers out of this, then they are the lucky ones, not um, as well as you guys. So let's go I back to. It. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, let's go back to your article. One thing that jumped at me that you probably didn't intend to have jump at me, but initially because it was obviously about Monty's tragedy and and how he's done ever since and how he's really come out of it well, obviously, we think, in Phoenix. Um, But he made some comments about Robert Sarver, that some folks in the Phoenix area, at least not connected with Robert, who don't know Robert personally, um, would be shocked at. And uh, for folks that don't have a subscription to The the Athletic, um, I'll just – Let's see. I was going to read a, a couple of lines in here because I don't expect you to remember everything. Uh oh, where i trying
2: to pull one up here. I got a screen in front of me. No, because
0: I because I, I I thought it was really interesting. Oh come on! I get no, the I'm sense Dave, that it.
2: are you kind of referring not to spoil it for you? Is this some of the the more positive things that? that he uh that he does
0: that he said but yes about about
2: Robert. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I do have it in front of me here. I mean Monty essentially was making the point, and then in, in a vacuum he's not wrong. That in the media in general, a lot of times, you know, we are going to pick and choose what gets reported, what doesn't, and and context is king. And so you never know, you know, where where exactly does the truth lie. And and the backdrop here is you guys know better than anybody is that Robert's reputation has been, you know, certainly on the negative side for quite a while now. ESPN had that pretty rough story on the Suns organization not too long ago. The quote from Monty was, I think we pick and choose sometimes who we're going to get after. And he'd be the.
0: Oh, shoot. I think we just lost Sam.
1: We did. We did. Okay,
0: I'm uh, going to let's see. Uh two. Guys, he you still there? Yeah, I just lost you. You just started be,
2: uh, I don't know if you've ever had that's the old uh, iPhone social media limit. It just cut me off. Sorry. I had to <laughs> do, do a little workaround. All so right, yeah. So away. um
0: I think we I think, think we pick yeah. and choose.
2: I think we pick and choose sometimes who we're going to get after. And he'd be the first to admit, meaning Robert, uh, he'd done some things, but I know the things he's done for people here behind the scenes. That don't get reported. I know the people who he has bailed out financially, who he's helped in their struggle with other issues. That doesn't get reported. Only the other decisions that he's made get reported.
0: Right, and and he just said that he, he really hopes that that he can help Robert Sarver uh, fix that image just by winning some games, basically. Right. As well down to and and i just think um just listening to monty williams just talk you know just you usually you can tell a snake oil salesman Uh, right off the bat and sometimes some people are are a little more gullible than others and including myself depending on the person I I, I've believed in some people that turned out to be uh, just selling a story but I I don't know that I've met a more truly genuine person than Monty Williams in in this industry anyway and I think uh, I think we are lucky to have him um, as the coach of the Suns And, and and once again I do appreciate you you commenting about this, but Sam, did you, were you surprised when Monty said some of the positive things about Robert in the article Um, or is that really known and just no one talks about?
2: No, I was definitely surprised. Uh, In fact, I was so surprised that I asked his agent who I mentioned earlier, uh, Spencer, like, you know, can you help me understand this? Because, because like you said, Monty is not a snake oil salesman if there were slicker, put let me put it this way. There are plenty of other coaches who are slick, who would just say extremely nice things about the owner because that's how you, so you have longevity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but the degree to which Monty stumped for Robert to, to, for lack of a better way of putting it did strike me. Uh, and that honestly, it, it's a great question, Dave, because it felt, it was a little bit, uh, of a an issue for me to even stop in this story and really spend much time at all actually focusing on the suns because the story itself is is so much bigger than basketball, mm-hmm. but that particular part I thought was interesting enough to to spend some time getting into because it was so unexpected um I actually asked Robert himself, and this wasn't in the story, like the exact question you're asking me, which is does it surprise you at all to hear that Monty is going to these lengths to say that he wants to help kind of you with your perception and your reputation. And there was about a pause of like two or three seconds and he ended up admitting, yeah, a little bit. And then I said, where do you think that comes from? And his answer was fascinating. Uh, In essence, and I'm paraphrasing, it was the idea that in the NBA and pro sports in general, you are often going to have some people who are the way he put it was sometimes more loyal to them even like the media than they might be to the organization that they work for. And, you know, so what it said to him about Monty was that it did reflect the level of, you know, buy-in the level of investment that he has in this son's organization and and what they want to try to accomplish together. Uh, I wish I could tell you specifically what inspired Monty to say these things about Robert as it relates to uh, things he's done behind the scenes. He kept it general. I actually kind of pushed Robert a little bit to say, you know, what what specific good deeds, if you will, might he be referring to? And to Robert's credit, I mean he said I, I don't do them to see them in a headline. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna, you know, get into that. So it was pretty genuine on, on both sides of the equation.
0: Well, I tell you, um we um are regularly and when I say we, I say uh, the media. There are press releases when the Suns do some obvious things uh, like donating a million dollars here at the hundred thousand dollars here, ten thousand dollars there to schools, inner city schools and, uh, um, you know, places of need and things like that. Uh, and. I'm sure for every one of those that's shared with us in the media, there's probably 10 others that don't get shared because they're on a smaller scale or they're on a one-on-one scale. Um, And, and that same kind of uh, thing came out late in, and former uh, Arizona Cardinals owners, um, uh, Bill Bidwell also was very much a community person, but he allowed himself to be a villain and. But well, he, he wasn't a great owner as as himself, uh, but he allowed himself to be a villain without getting all those all those good deeds pub- publicized. So Robert may be in that same vein. I have I do know that there are some of the nicest people that I've ever met personally in, in the NBA circles that have worked for the Suns that have never said a negative thing about Robert and they go out of their way not to. And sure. that they don't even work for him anymore. I mean, these are right. people who no longer work in the organization, they still say nice things he's obviously doesn't make the best basketball decisions. And sometimes he gets antsy and he pushes things to happen because he wants right. to right. win, but, um, he is. Yeah. It's so I'm not, I, I guess when I think about it, I'm not surprised. Okay. Well, let's not belabor it. Suns fans are already lo- ready to turn this off. I this real quick, Dave
2: and Tim. <laughs> yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll cap it with this. It's funny because full disclosure for a story like this, I'm comfortable. You know, I let Monty set the tone in this story as it relates to Robert and it was kind of my, my way of saying, listen, I've got to mention some of the context here and some of the tough stories that have been reported about the Suns recently. Obviously, that's part of my job. Um, the flip side of this that just wasn't, I don't think, necessary to get into in this piece is you know, the, the way you describe Robert with some of the friends you have and, and the way that you know he strikes folks in, in one circle. You have the other side, certainly, which is the yeah. folks who have worked for him in the past. I mean, I had somebody tell me Relating to the infamous goat story, that the the part that was lost on everybody is that, you know, that that was if you had a list of top 100 things that, you know, that were wild that happened during that tenure. That would be pretty far down the list, and you know, and, <laughs> and, that's, and that's not a, a positive. Bit, no, that's not positive. And but you also auntie,
1: mentioned it was it was a little bit overblown too, right? As far as the amount of fecal matter, yeah, what my, you said. My
2: journalistic peak, Tim, was like reporting on the level of goat defecation. Right. You know, this is <laughs> more like I, can, a cat. I, <laughs> yeah. I was a little yeah, tongue in cheek, but I, you know, uh-huh. I almost was. I was a little disappointed the day after that. I thought for sure my phone might ring from some of the people who were involved in these situations, and yeah. and to maybe dispute the level of uh, of, of goat crap that we but were talking haven't. about. But <laughs> but you know, no nobody refuted the reporting. But
0: you no, know. you're absolutely right, Sam. Yeah. There are some former employees who um, don't have such positive feelings for for Robert too. I'm not saying everybody. I just mean right. some of the nicest. I also there's some super nice people who don't love um how it turned out with him but almost always they say it's because it's on the business side and robert um he's he he's a businessman and he thinks a little bit more business than he does personal and so anyway let's uh let's let's get away from robert because i think some Suns fans are already ready to turn us off Um, and let's start go back to your article and the team uh the next question i have for you is let's, let's go off to the team a little bit. So we appreciate the story you wrote on, Ronnie, but you were in town. You did watch the Suns. I'm sure you've watched yep. some other footage as well. Do you think that this team, uh, and you saw them before Ricky Rubio and Aaron Baines went down injured. Uh, do you think this team is as competitive as they've played, or do you think it's kind of a smoke and mirrors at this point?
2: When they're healthy, I like what they have. Um, you know, I, I'm going to echo something that another one of our our scribes had written today at our place. John Hollinger, who you guys probably yeah. know, is, is coming out of so ESPN previously, and then the Memphis Grizzlies front office for seven years. And um, John wrote a piece more X's and O's based on the Suns that came out today. And he's a believer from the standpoint of the combination of you know the shooting they have, the backcourt that is certainly more experienced and more complementary than anything even you know remotely close to what the Suns had had. The past couple of years, it's not Devin and the Misfits anymore. Um, right. You know, and, and Aaron Baines being the, the early sur- uh, season MVP is not something that we saw coming. Now, listen, he's been playing before he got hurt at his ceiling, and so you can't necessarily expect that. But that combination of, of shooting and toughness from Aaron and physicality down low has been big. You know, so I, I like very much what the formula can be when they're healthy. And then you also, you know, you're down to, I think about 12 more missed games with DeAndre Ayton before they get the big fella back. Um, the Rubio one of all the moves they made in the summer um, is probably the most, I, as much as I like Ricky. And first of all, he's talking about class human beings. He's just a wonderful person to, to talk to. And he's had kind of his own struggle and I, you know, I love his makeup and it does fit well with money. Um, I didn't know what I thought of that move. At the time, you had heard about how the Suns, you know, were possibly looking at a D'Angelo Russell type who's very close with Devin Booker and from a talent standpoint, just wondering if they shouldn't just simply look at getting the the level of talent up as high as possible. And and now I I honestly feel kind of stupid looking back on that perspective because, you know, I think the combo of Ricky's defense and the versatility on that end, the playmaking and the veteran experience is just perfect for where this group is at. And the impact that Ricky and Monty and the rest of these guys seem to have had on Devin has been really kind of fun to watch too, because his game suddenly is just a lot more well-balanced and he's more efficient and he seems to be really buying in on the defensive end. And so, you know, I don't know if they're going to be able to push this thing to the point of being a playoff team or even being in the playoff race for most of the year but they do seem to to be capable of being competitive every single night.
1: When you, when you spoke with, with Monty, he talked a little bit about um, his being let go from the Pelicans. What was, what was your take on um, how he was going to approach the new opportunity that he had with the Suns from a coaching perspective?
2: Well, first of all, like, his message coming out of the Pelicans experience was another one of those things in the interview that surprised me because when he got fired, you guys remember this, like he, you know, he was just, he was a very sympathetic figure. People thought Mm -hmm. he got a raw deal. I remember he actually did an interview with a local TV crew on the porch of his, of his house, of his home in new Orleans, after he got fired where it just, it kind of painted the sad picture like Monty was saying goodbye from his actual home. Uh, and this is about a month after the late owner, Tom Benson had written a letter to the front office and to the coaching staff, congratulating them all on getting to the playoffs. And next thing you know, he's out the door. Uh, so it was puzzling and fast forward to the here and the now and, and Monty was telling me that, that he just didn't get the job done. Um, he was saying that, that he didn't get this team to the next level. So that for Suns fans is what I think should get them fired up cuz he's got an edge on his shoulder because he he feels like he's got something to prove. Now, I you know, I don't know specifically where he has tweaked his program. He was defensive minded before, he's defensive minded now. He he's character based before, he's character based now. The franchise centerpieces, you know, if you want to compare Anthony Davis to Deandre Ayton, you know, Devin is certainly the centerpiece but you know Drew Holiday Devin Booker um you're trying to reach you know different types of guys uh, I just think that you know it, it's probably mostly the same approach but with you know even more incentive and 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 you know you you got to imagine more of a, an evolved look at the game
0: yeah absolutely i think uh what what surprised us so far about monty is his his devotion to a more modern game. Obviously the game was different five years ago when he coached, uh, there was a lot more okayness with mid range shots. He did in his opening press conference kind of chuckle about that. He's like, man, man, When you got Chris Paul and Emeka Okafor and guys like that, you're going to take whatever they have, and their skill sets were inside the three-point line. Um, So you know, basically, don't hold that against me. I was doing the best I could, (laughs) right? Uh, And that was pretty good, you know what I mean? He had Chris Paul for one year, and then and then he uh, moved on to the Anthony Davis side. Anthony Davis was not a three-point shooter either, so we're pretty impressed with the with the pace. His teams were always really slow. And we were, um, we are impressed with the three-point shooting and stuff, and the devotion to getting open three-point shots. Man, when Ricky is out there with Aaron Baines, um, they have so many. They lead the league in open, wide open three-point shots, and it's right. just, it's just fun to see. It's fun to watch. Um, well, Sam, I know you got to get going. I appreciate you uh, taking time with us before your Thanksgiving vacation. Uh, thank you very much. I hope you guys enjoy it, and I hope cool. when you get back, the the Suns will be back. Full strength on the court.
1: We got to know if Sam, if Sam thinks yep. that the Suns are going to make the playoffs. Ah, <laughs> yes, the
0: payoff question. One more payoff question.
2: Sam, you didn't, you didn't hear my my hedging earlier. I, I tried to hedge my way out of it <laughs> just, a little bit. I'm looking at the standings here in real time. Um, I'm gonna do that radio trick where you say that's a great question, which is a way of stalling. So I can look at the screen here. (laughs) You know, I believe they're they're 500 right now, right, sitting in the eighth seed. Yeah, I mean, the question is that like here's the problem for teams like Phoenix, um, and there's a lot of teams like Phoenix is that I will confidently, yeah, exactly, is I will confidently put six teams in the playoffs in the West right now where, you know, it's fairly close to, like, I'm betting my mortgage on it. So, you have, you know, you have two slots. Then And, and that does not include the underperforming Portland Trailblazers, who, even though, you know, it's been an awful start to the season, I just have so a who hard time your, believing. you
0: are your six that you'd put your mortgage on?
2: So... The the only one that I would hedge on is Dallas, but I feel reasonably good about them. Uh the other five would be the the Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, Rockets, uh, and Jazz. So that yeah. would be six. And Minnesota looks reasonably good so far, but I, you know, I don't know whether or not to trust them. So if you have Portland come back into the mix some way, somehow, no, I don't think it's gonna be because of Mellow. I don't think that's gonna help much in the end. Uh, then that's down to one slot. And then the teams that you're going to be jockeying with if you're Phoenix are the Sacramento's, the Minnesota's, uh, San Antonio, if they get their stuff together at some point. Uh, even OKC, honestly, I mean, the, the roster is is emaciated after that trade, but you still have Chris Paul and, and Gallinari and Steven Adams. Um, it'll be really interesting because you can look at this thing and say, you know, there's five or six teams fighting for that last spot. So we'll take that as a yes. That's no, I'm going to say that's a no. If I gotta that, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> nope. Uh, Tim already recorded now, your vote. <laughs> yeah. now, selfishly, Tim, you can make sure you put this on wax too. Like I hope they do because I enjoy going to Phoenix and uh, I would love nothing more than I, I really had a great time last week. It's, I have not been to Phoenix. I forget how long it had been for work purposes. Uh, you know, certainly some of the highlights of my career were covering those Steve Nash and Mars Doddmeyer, you know, Mike D'Antoni's sons and in the conference finals against the Lakers. And, you know, it's a great place to go cover a game. So I would Sam, I would love to be out there and play it. A
0: lot more reasons to come to Phoenix in the coming years, because we know the reason you haven't been to Phoenix is the team has been so dang bad.
1: <laughs> yes, that is accurate. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Mr. Sam, we really do appreciate you joining us today. And of course, people can find your writing over at The Athletic. Uh, any specific web addresses that people should know?
2: Oh, I'm pretty Twitter centric. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Sam underscore A M I C K. Uh, otherwise, thank you for having me, guys. This was fun. I appreciate it.
0: All right. Thanks, Sam.